sounded. Walks into all styles. Kyle drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh, Mountain has clung. Brody Grundy just put it through. Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Shuey's got it in extra time. Driving back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Kick the goal and Freeman will win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's going to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Coming to you from the home of Australian Rules Football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie Rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Hello everyone across America. This is Eddie Maguire on Sirius XM's Dan Patrick Radio. Aussie Football Rules America. And I'm with the voice of Australian Rules Football, Brian Taylor. Superstar full forward for the Richmond Football Club before he headed down Punt Road to Hoddle Street, Melbourne and the home of the Collingwood Football Club at Victoria Park where he kicked 100 goals in a season to become the famous full forward of the Collingwood Magpies. And tonight, Brian Taylor will be calling all the action from the MCG as the football season gets back underway. Round two, some 10 weeks after round one. And Brian Taylor will be calling the two teams he played for the two teams that have been punching on since 1908 yep. and there is never a bit of quarter given or expected when these two teams come together. Brian, welcome. Yeah, yeah. and they'd be mo- normally motivated in normal circumstances by a crowd of 100,000 at this game tonight. The, the the venue for those in the States that haven't been to the MCG, it's the biggest venue in Australia. It holds just over 100,000 people. Seated too. Seated. Seated, yeah. So it's incredible. Just listening to those highlights there, Ed, and I'm wondering what the, people, the folks over there think about the siren, the flags, the whistle, the umps. This must be very, very strange. Uh, we are very strange people. Yeah. Here in Australia, let's be honest about it, and so to our friends in America, I think they'll get the the gist of this pretty quickly. Yep. Brian, uh, for you as a player uh, playing for Richmond against Collingwood, and then Collingwood against Richmond. Tell me about the traditions and the rivalry of these two teams. So both of these two teams are over 100 years of age and both uh, are suburbs of Melbourne, uh, separated by about four kilometres on one straight road called Punt Road. So they both almost exist they, on they the same road. They each other, don't yeah, they? they yeah. The, the, the suburbs butt up against each other. And this used to be, 30 years ago, this was suburban warfare. Now our competition has turned more national. It's even bigger. It's exploded. And if you could imagine the most passionate fans in the NFL, or the NBA, these two clubs have the most passionate fans. And it's been a long time since both teams, probably back in 1980, 81, 82, when both teams were at the top and the peak of their powers. At the moment, Collingwood and Richmond are probably one and two as favourites to win the premierships this year. And traditional rivals, you, you, you would say. The players most want to play in these games. Richmond versus Collingwood. Collingwood versus Richmond uh, at the MCG. This is the one that the players want to uh, play. And this is the one they get the most satisfaction out. This is the most aggressive game of the year, I guess you could also say. There's a lot riding on these two teams playing tonight. And looking forward to it. Hey, Brian, uh, tell me about a situation where two teammates might actually punch on with each other. Now, uh, I'll come back to some history because you might have been involved in a bit of this history, but for our friends in the United States, the Adelaide Crows Football Club are a huge organisation. They played in the grand final a few years back now and, uh, well, they led Richmond in uh, 
2017 yep. by a couple of goals early into the first quarter and then Richmond rolled over the top of them. From that moment, their whole organisation has just fallen away. Yeah. They had what was called a power stance where they were Weird trying to psych out their opponents uh, during the national anthem where they stood apart from each other. They had and, a camp that fell apart, caused yeah. the club to fall apart. But it, this was the death stare as yeah. they looked across, which is all very well. Uh, it's like giving your best punch and your opponent doesn't go down yeah. and you go, what I'm do in big now? trouble from here. <laughs> uh, and Richmond did exactly that to them. But as you said, they went on this amazing camp where they played the Richmond theme song to them to try and psych them into building up to a whole new year. As it turned out, uh, it, it just went to the psycho babble yep. destroyed the organisation. And then we get to this year, and of course, they've got themselves into trouble. Instead of being in isolation, they were found to be... Uh, fraternising on a golf course, which nearly set the football season back. So everything they've touched has turned to the proverbial, yep. not to gold, the opposite of the Midas touch. Yep. So then they get to training this week. They're ready for their They're first game of the up. season. Yep. And what happens? Uh, well, what happens is you find the players' uh, energy explodes and all of a sudden they're playing a little bit of uh, little bit of training together, Ed, and all of a sudden they all start boxing on together. Have a listen to this. This is a news report out of Channel 10 in Adelaide about the fight at the Adelaide Crows training. Good evening. The Crows say they don't have a problem with an all-out brawl between two of their players. Kyle Hardigan and Billy Frampton landed several blows during the internal trial, but the club says it's just the sort of aggression it expects to see in the lead-up to Showdown 48. Saturday's showdown could be as heated as any before it if this is what the Crows are doing to their own teammates. Hardigan and Billy went at it, which you love to see because um, it's that white line fever and competitiveness that we're looking for in internal for, for guys to push for spots. So. Um, they were all, all good afterwards and did the elbow bump and moved on. Did the elbow bump. They chinned uh, each they other. They chinned each other with right hooks. Exactly. And and now, now this, this is not unusual. No. Let's not forget, we've just watched the Michael Jordan documentary, The Final Dance. Yep. And uh, he and Steve Kerr, well, I won't say he and Steve Kerr, he punched Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr said, thank you very much, Michael, for doing <laughs> that. Uh, next time I'll move my head. But uh, uh, you have been involved over the years. Yeah. There's always been a bit of fracas at times, particularly in practice matches, when players are trying to get into the starting lineup. Well, look, there's 22 players that make the team each week. There are 42 that were on on lists. So there's a lot of competition with your own teammates. So before you even get to the opposition, the first thing you got to do is make sure you've got your own spot in the team. And if that means knocking one of your teammates out or roughing him up, I, I can remember myself being at training. And if there was a teammate of mine that was standing in front of me and I had a chance to clean him up unfairly, and he played in my position. I can remember one, Mark Bayless, was a player that come over from Western Australia said, Brian, I'm going to play in your position. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you're not. The next night at training, I had the chance to line him up and knock him out, and I did. And that's that's the way it goes. So I can remember going way back to the 80s with the oh, Tigers. Chuck Bayless. Yeah. <laughs> Richmond, Jimmy Jess yeah. versus Mark Jackson, two of our great characters in the game, punched on at training. It happens all the time. I had another blue in the streets with one of – my best players and my vice captain, Darren Mullane, who was who was now sadly passed away. He was one of Collingwood's best ever players. Strong, tough, never take a backward step. I mean, we blued in King Street, which is the nightclub area of Melbourne. Uh, and I remember it very well, yeah. in fact, at the front of the underground yeah. nightclub. Now, Brian, it's one thing having some... Uh, 
you know, a bit of argy-bargy of training. But uh, what, what would cause a fracas between two teammates outside a nightclub? What do you reckon, Ed? usual, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, there was, some, uh, there was a lady involved. Yes. <laughs> and, and alcohol. And one of our best players, Dennis Banks at Collingwood, was a great boxer, you know, and yeah. he, he, uh, he was the referee on that particular night. He, he saw Darren and myself, teammates uh, arguing inside. He said, come on, you two, let's go outside and sort it out. He rung the bell and said, righto, box it out. His attitude was get it out of the system now so that tomorrow night when we go to training, it's all good. And that's exactly how it panned out. Now, just to set this up for people in America listening in here, Brian Taylor, my co-host here, is very tasty in the ring, could hold his hands up very, very well. Uh, You mentioned Dennis Banks. If you go to YouTube and put in Dennis Banks and David Rhys-Jones, you'll see how good a puncher Dennis Banks actually is. Go to YouTube and put in Dennis Banks, Collingwood, David Rhys-Jones, Carlton, and uh, see one of the great highlights in Australian rules football. And then put in Darren Mullane, who was known as the Raging Bull. Uh, not uh, named after Jake LaMotta, of course, yeah. the Raging Bull, uh, the uh, f- fantastic De Niro movie, because he was hard at it. Now, you would pay, you would pay big money mm. in Ultimate Fighting to see you two. So how long did the fight go? It probably went uh, two or three minutes. Uh, Jeez, that's you know, a long time. And the crowd, that is a long time. The crowd was held back and uh, Dennis Banks, our teammate, separated us. He was the referee and the only thing that stopped it was not Dennis ringing the bell for the end of round one, but with a police siren that was sounding <laughs> just in the distant uh, reach and uh, we both went in different directions and Banks, he said, now you've got to go that way and you've got to go that way, Darren, because they can't chase both of us. Yeah. <laughs> they can only get one of us. And uh, so some punches were landed? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it was just one of those stupid things you do when you've had a few beer and you're at a nightclub and you, you wound up like a two-bob watch. Right, so the next day, when you when you wake up and you've yep. got to go to training, uh, how did things go? Did you think? Uh, so we got. Ha, tra- have we sorted this out, or is there going to be more? No, we haven't sorted it out. We didn't. We got to training in the afternoon. The coach called us in. He said, "Righto, you and your coach you, was yeah Lee Matthews, Le- one of the all time greats, one of the toughest men in football, known as Lethal Lee Matthews, the greatest footballer ever to play the game." Most would say. He said, right, I get in the office here, sort it out. What happened? Why did it happen? When he found out why it happened, he understood. And he said, shake hands out on the track tonight. You guys are going. And it was just, that was the end of it. And we got on with it and we were good mates uh, after it. Yeah, you were. You yeah. were great mates after that. And, uh, of course, went on to a Premiership Glory with the Collingwood Football Club. It's the level of passion and commitment to want your spot. As I said before, 22 make the team each week. 42 in a squad, you've got to beat off a lot of potential players that play in the same position that you do. And that's where the frustration's born out of. Tonight, it's going to be a great game. It's Collingwood and Richmond. We're back into the football, the rest of the weekend's activities. We'll talk to you about them shortly. But after the break, make sure you stick with us here on Aussie Football Rules America on Dan Patrick Radio, Sirius, Sirius XM, because we're going to speak to David Falk, who was the manager of Michael Jordan, as we mentioned. Michael Jordan even belted Steve Kerr at training one time. Well, we're going to speak to his manager. This is a big interview, Brian. And, yeah, one uh, of the most in-demand interviews in the world, Ed. David Falk, the manager of Michael Jordan, our special guest, right after this on Sirius XM. Dan Patrick Radio, you're listening to Brian Taylor and Eddie Maguire, Aussie Football Rules America. Basketball has become a global game. 
From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with the left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes are available Thursday on the SiriusXM app and Pandora Podcasts. Eddie Maguire is bringing Australian rules football to the States. From sausage rolls and speckies to selling some candy. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yeah, sausage roll is a goal and selling some candy, of course, is evading your opponent. This is Eddie Maguire with Brian Taylor. We're on Dan Patrick Radio, Cirrus XM Aussie Football Rules America. Uh, Brian, I had a, a really great experience uh, only yesterday. I sat down uh, with David Falk. Well, if you can't the, get Michael Jordan, that is the next best thing, isn't it? Next best thing, the, the manager, the man who put together a deal with Nike, of course, uh, where Nike were hoping that over the course of three years, they may be able to sell on their best day $3 million worth of, uh, of sneakers, yep. of, uh, of basketball shoes. First year in, as a rookie, they sell $100 million. And uh, he was in America, and I was here in Melbourne. We had a good chat. Yeah, you did. And uh, David Falk, fascinating chat. And I know in that chat with you, Ed, one of the first things he, he spoke about was what was surprising about this incredible doco, The Last Dance. You know, I was surprised that people confuse competitiveness with being a nice person. I've never met a great, a great player, not a good player, that doesn't have that. I think every great player has in their DNA what I call the Terminator gene. They just don't want to beat you. They want to, like, destroy you. That's how Larry Bird was. That's how Olajuwon was, Magic Johnson, Wayne Gretzky. You could name every great athlete. They, Tiger Woods, he wants to beat you by 20 strokes. He just doesn't want to win. And I think the average fan doesn't appreciate that. So they see this guy who is, like, drawing at his teammates, punching out Steve Kerr because he wouldn't play defense, riding Scott Burrell mercilessly, and they think, wow, what a mean guy. Michael's one of the nicest, most polite, cordial people I've ever met. He's respectful of all of his coaches. But when you put him on the court, you put his uniform on, and you turn him into the Hulk, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to go after you. And that's why he won. We're speaking to uh, David Falk, the manager of Michael Jordan. And, Brian, I put to him... One of the things that came out of the documentary was that Michael was single-minded in wanting to be the best player to win uh, championships for the Chicago Bulls, but also in the corporate world. He wasn't prepared to alienate anyone, as he famously said, Republicans buy shoes as well. (laughs) But I put it to him that there's been a bit of a change-up with Michael Jordan in recent times because of this Black Lives Matter situation that is dominating the world at the moment. And in fact, Michael Jordan has decided to donate $100 million over the next 10 years to Black Lives Matter. He did a lot of things earlier in his career that he didn't want to talk about. He did support the candidate. The candidate came out publicly uh, in, in North Carolina and thanked yeah. Michael for support. He didn't want to do He gave money. He did things behind the scenes. And he didn't care if people gave him credit for it. He did what he thought was best. I think when you reach the level of success and notoriety that he has, no matter what you do, there's going to be a level of people that say you're doing too little, and there might be some people that think you're doing too much. And you have to do what you think, what you believe in is best. And 
He didn't shy away from the engagement because he was worried about selling shoes or his endorsements. I just think that he was very young. And most young people don't have that political. He's now 57. He's a billionaire. He's the owner of a team. And the level of notoriety that the most recent death of, of, of Floyd has caused has brought out everybody. It's brought out white people, brown people, black people, Asian people, worldwide. I mean, it's incredible that that one scene of when you watch the policeman on the guy's neck for nine minutes has mobilized a level of emotion around the world that I haven't seen since Martin Luther King was killed in 1968 and the American people burned the cities down. So, you know, I think Michael still probably isn't doing as much as a lot of activist people would like to see him do. Um, but I think he's doing what he feels is appropriate for him. David Falk, the manager of Michael Jordan with us. See, that's what Jordan did his whole career. I was a close follower of Michael Jordan, yeah. Ed, and he never made a big deal of anything he did. I mean, contributing $100 million over 10 years is an incredible feat. But he he did this right through his career, not just now when it's in the, you know, yeah. it's on the news and it's the headlines of the world. He did this right through his career. He was an incredibly generous sort of guy. And it was a different time as well. I mean, it was still very much, Brian, in those days, Stay out of politics if you're in sport, and if you're in politics, you know, stay out of sport as best you can. And, uh, you know, so it was a different time, but very interesting, though, to see Michael now taking more of a political stance on this. He, he was uh, very quick out of the blocks, if you like, to uh, have his say in the last couple of weeks, and then has backed it up with a $100 million donation, as we said, over the next 10 years. Now, David Fawkes, a very yep. interesting guy, Brian. He was my guest at uh, Collingwood versus Essendon last year. He loved the fact that there was 95,000 people. He was in the rooms. He caught up with Mason Cox, of course, the, the American player playing for the Collingwood Football Club. In the end, they had to turn the lights off to get both of us out of the room. We just were talking there, talking to the different players. He really came to grips with what was going on. And he loved, actually, uh, from a corporate point of view, the president's the, the lunch. dinner, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he got right into that sort of stuff. So he, he was a guy who understands sports in such a big way, but also the marketing of it. So here he is with his thoughts on what he's uh, what you're about to experience tonight at the end of this broadcast tonight, the big game, Collingwood and Richmond. This is what David Falk thinks of our game. The sports is great. I love, I'd never seen an Australian rules football game before and I couldn't stop raving about when I got home. The fans were incredible. With the dinner before the game was amazing. Uh, players are so humble. No padding. I mean, it's we should have that over here. It's, it's, I don't know if people would, we have too many sports over here, but it was, it was incredible. I think the whole environment, I know basketball is exploding. Professor Rick Burton, as you know, is the David Falk professor of sports at Syracuse, and he was the commissioner of the Australian League for eight years. Yeah. Um, I think basketball is exploding in Australia. We have a lot more players coming over here. Uh, we have a great GM, uh, Sean Mark from New Zealand, who's running the Brooklyn team. Um, and I think the country is small, but the passion of the people is amazing. It really is amazing. And you know, I think sports, you have some really smart people I met uh, at, my, at my luncheon uh, that are having a profound impact on the growth of sports in Australia. Obviously, you're one of them, and I have great respect for what you've done. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait to come back.
So David Falk there uh, talking about our game, impressed by it. And yes, yeah. you know that when when you think about it, he he mentioned the dinner with our yeah. games. Uh, they have this thing called the President's Dinner. Eddie, you're the president of Collingwood. You host the dinner. There's about five or six hundred people there before the game starts. You have a guest normally. You talk through the game and a few bits and pieces, and then you go out and watch the game. He was impressed by that. But when I think about going to the basketball in America and the football, they don't have that. No, they don't. I, I was uh, lucky enough to be a guest of uh, Robert Kraft up at the New England Patriots. And uh, they gave me the run of the place. It was quite incredible. They were just so wonderful. And uh, the Kraft family said, come down and, uh, and go and have dinner. And they, they have a, an area out the back, Brian, and it's a buffet. Right. But, you know, there's some former champions will come in and, and talk up on stage. But it's so relaxed. It's, yeah. uh, whereas this is actually a corporate dinner. This well, is, I remember when I went yeah. to watch the Lakers, exactly the same thing. It was a buffet out the back, incredibly relaxed environment. Yeah, so Jonathan Kraft, uh, Robert Kraft's son, was magnificent. I mean, you couldn't have made us any you know, more uh, part of the family. And so we went to this one, and then we sat in the club seats, and so we had really good access. But it is sort of a... Uh, a notch down in formality, if you like, yes. which doesn't mean it's a notch down in, in effectiveness, but it was a different thing altogether. So what uh, David thought was interesting was coming in, he sat next to the, I think the prime minister was with us this particular day, uh, the premier of Victoria, which is like the governor of uh, California, if you like, was there. And um, we had showbiz people, as you always have at, uh, at uh, these big sporting events and everybody in between. And he just thought it was fantastic. And while it was reasonably formal, i.e. you wear a suit and a tie, uh, the informality of the fun and the uh, the rivalry between the two sides was something that he really enjoyed. So it was it was a great thing to have him there and always good to hear uh, a different perspective on what we take for granted. He was pretty impressed with you, Ed, I've got to say. The hospitality that you showed him, <laughs> not unlike you got from Robert Kraft over in the in the U.S., he was that impressed with you, not just as a person and a contributor to football, but also in your technical ability. Have a listen to this. Isaiah Thomas. Wow. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. We're not done yet, are we? No, keep going. Can you hear me? Sure. I can. Yeah, yeah. You broke up for a second. I can't. This sorry, is great. I've got to ask about I, Isaiah so, Thomas. You were so good at this. I should sign you. That's the guy I should sign. <laughs> you, you're missing him. <laughs> Well, let, let's talk. <laughs> I've got news for him. Eddie's already signed. <laughs> well, i just say this. Now that he's actually done his apprenticeship, Brian, with uh, Michael Jordan, maybe it is time for him to step up to the big time. What do you think, mate? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you one of the uh, the final questions we'll, we'll put to uh, David Falk, the manager of Michael Jordan, and I put it to him, what would happen if you took over Australia's Ben Simmons, the number one draft pick, of course, with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers? What would you do with Ben Simmons today? See, Ben Simmons is the closest thing I've seen to Magic Johnson. He's a 6'9 point guard. He's got tremendous instincts and skills. The problem is the game has changed so much from when Magic played to today. And there's such maybe an overemphasis on shooting that he's being criticized wildly because he's not that great of a shooter. And I'm not sure in his mind that he thinks it's that important that he needs to be a great shooter. He's pretty damn good without being a great shooter. A lot of great players that I know came into the league. There's not as much defense in the NBA as there is in college, particularly against a great player. And so he's not the primary offensive weapon on his team. That's Embiid. I think he should work on his shooting. But I think he's also got to show, and he's so young, a little of the Jordan toughness and mental discipline 
like to push himself because he's got so much talent. He, he needs to learn to let it come from within. When he decides he truly wants to be a great player, I think the sky's the limit. David Falk there talking about Michael Jordan. It was interesting, and, and Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons. yeah, Because Michael Jordan was a great mid-range jump shooter. He was okay at the three. The three wasn't really in vogue in his particular day. It was sort of coming in then. But he was a great mid-range shooter. And that's all that Ben Simmons needs to needs to hone, hone up. He doesn't have to become a three-point shooter. Yeah. Just a good mid-range shooter, Ed. Brian, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back onto the footy, of course. Uh, after the break, an AFL legend. In fact, he was named the greatest fullback of the century, oh, Stephen yes. Silvani, from a club that we both hate. Let's be honest about it. From the Carlton Football Club, <laughs> or as the uh, John Elliott, their former president, used to say it, Carlton, boo, Carlton. Uh, Stephen Silvani, one of the all-time greats, joins us next. Stick with us here on Aussie Football Rules America, Dan Patrick Radio, Sirius XM. I'm Eddie Maguire. That's Brian Taylor. We're back with Steve Silvani next. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. Now back to Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yes, welcome back. You're listening to Eddie Maguire, Brian Taylor. And Brian, can I just tell you, our game infiltrates some very strange places. I received a phone call from Scott Greenstein, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. He is the man who signed Howard Stern on a $100 million radio contract. He is one of the biggest names in show business. He is one of the hardest media executives in the world. Don't Certainly tell me in he was going to offer you his gig, was he? We were talking, well, I asked him about it, but uh, <laughs> he wasn't moving us on. But I'll tell you what he did say. What? He said, I'm a Carlton supporter. A what? I love Carlton, the Carlton Football Club. And he says, just as much as I love Carlton, what, what, what? I love Stephen Silvani. Oh, no. Stephen Silvani, for our guests in America, was named the fullback in the Australian Rules Team of the Century. 22 players over 100 years of football were named as the greatest in their particular position. This man was regarded as the greatest defender of all time in Australian rules football. And he joins us on Aussie Football Rules America. Stephen Silvani, loved by Scott Greenstein, as, amongst, as well as the Carlton supporters. How are you, Steve? I'm well, Ed and BT. Great to be on the show. Great to have you, mate. And... Brian, you're going to explain yeah. a, a real anomaly in our system, but it's something that we love. Some, uh, yeah, we, something we, that our governing body has really gone out of their way to keep in our game and to actually create, and that is a, a rule called a father and son rule. So when you go to the draft, you can draft the players like you can in all sports in America, but with a father and son rule. So Steve is the father uh, of two sons who have since been drafted to the club that he played for. Steve himself was drafted under the father and son because his dad played for this particular footy club. And his famous father, Sergio Silvani, was a superstar in the 60s and 70s. So three generations out of of Steve's family, and this has happened with other players as well. For instance, I have four sons, but because I didn't play 100 games with one club, I played with two clubs... And not quite a you have to play a hundred total or more with at least one club. Uh, you then qualify for father and son. So my kids, I played ninety seven at Collingwood. Mm. 
fell three short. But Steve's got his over the line. Two of the two of his sons now playing. It it is an unusual situation, Steve. But it, it's it's made our game better, hasn't it? More interesting. Look, I think the fans love it. Um, seeing you know past players, sons running around, and I think it's one of the great rules um, in any sport. Um, and certainly the rules have changed sort of over time as well. Because I know when I came through, you only had to play the father only had to have played fifty games, and now it is a hundred games. But um, it was actually, I actually did a bit of research for you, Brian. It yeah. was actually brought in the 1940s. Wow. When um, the Melbourne Football Club um, in the late 40s lobbied uh, the VFL back then for Ronald Dale Barassi, whose father had passed away um, at World War II, in World War II. So uh, they wanted, um, who was a legend of Melbourne, so they wanted his son to be able to play for, 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 for Melbourne, which he ended up doing, Ronald Dale. Um, but... Uh, so that was lobbied in 1940, and, and then, but the first father-son was actually a Carlton uh, player by the name of Harvey Dunn Jr. So he, uh, I think that was in about 1949. He was the first father-son ever taken then. But it's it's been around for a while. I know our fans love it, um, and and it really resonates with fans because they they make the comparisons with their father, and not not all of them play a lot of games, um, but. It's just a great rule for have for supporters. Steve, can you tell us what was it like for you as a little boy growing up knowing that you would be able to play for the famous Navy Blues of Carlton? Yeah, well, there was never any guarantee, Ed. I mean, like any young boy coming through, um, I always wanted to play uh, Australian rules football and I, I wanted to play for the Carlton Football Club. So, um, but to know that if I was good enough and, and I guess if the Carlton Football Club wanted me to be able to go and play for a club that you barrack your whole life. My father had a huge association with, with that club, obviously played 14 years and was captain of the club for one or two years and, and played in a couple of premierships. Um, you know, and he was also uh, an assistant coach and on the board for a short time there. So I grew up around the club. So to, to actually fulfill a dream um, was, uh, it was, it was great. I, I was just living a dream from day one. So um, you know, it, it, it was it was special to me, and I, and I guess a lot of the Carlton supporters, and obviously there's you know hundreds of thousands of Carlton supporters right around Australia. Um, you know, they they do follow they do follow uh, sons coming through, and, and they want to know what's going on. But um, personally, myself, I was obviously fortunate that I was good enough to make it and, and had the opportunity to play for the club. Yeah, just good enough to make it to become the greatest fullback in the history of the game, but. Yeah. Could you imagine, so let me set this up for American listeners, Tom Brady's kids. Could you imagine the New England Patriots knowing that yeah. if they could actually throw the ball, that the next Tom Brady, literally, yeah. the, the son of Giselle and Tom, uh, could be coming to New England, that they don't have to worry about going through the draft, that anyone else can, can do it. Now, there's a bidding system so that uh, others can actually bid on that particular player so that it's not just a, a free-for-all. There is one other stipulation you must be good enough that, well, to, got to, be able to play to as well. But yeah. could you imagine what it would be like to know that, say, you know, Peyton Manning's yeah. son or, you know, Tom Brady, to, to use that one, is coming through and what it would be like, as was the case where Sergio Silvani presented his famous number one to Stephen Silvani, and now Stephen has been able to pass so, it so, on to his son, Jack and Tom. And what it does, Steve, for the supporters. So the supporters all of a sudden with your name, Silvani, are now supporting your two sons. Previously, they were supporting you, and previously to that, they were supporting your dad. So it just gives them a, a, a great feel, a sense of belonging, doesn't it? 
Oh, the, and I think that's that's the beauty of the real the, the sense of the belonging and, and the amount of times that I know I I went through it. I know my, my, a couple of my boys are going through it now, but where they say my mum used to or my father used to have their number on on your grandfather's back, and now I've got I've, I've had I've got your number on my back, and now it's been passed down to to my boys as well. So it is it's that sense of belonging. It, it's the attachment to to knowing. The, the number, the person, um, yeah, it's, as, I, as I've stated a couple of times, the rule is a great rule for supporters. The only downfall, and, and, and if this happened to, say, Tom Brady's son, is that uh, you are then expected, that you are expected to be as good as Tom Brady. <laughs> it's always hard, uh, And, yeah. Steve, you yeah. were the fullback of the century, as Ed has mentioned, and it places enormous issues with no. your sons, doesn't it? No, it does. The comparisons, and, and I guess that's, in some ways, I was fortunate sort of coming through, um, you know, a, a, as a father-son is that I actually made the grade quite quickly um, in terms of, you know, I, I, was, I played pro football uh, after, about, after about six or seven rounds. So I came to the team quite quickly and was able to establish myself. But um, and I think what, um, you know, our American listeners need to understand is that most of our recruits are 18 years of age. So they haven't gone through a college system. They're still quite young, still immature. Physically, some are more developed than others. Um, and our system, I guess our pro system, there's a lot of development that needs to go into these younger players. So they can take a little while. But like any any sport, um, you know, you, you, the pressures come. And, and when these, these boys aren't coming on as quickly as they hope and they, they're being compared to their fathers, um, it can it can have a negative impact on those on those players. Steve, Scott Greenstein will not forgive me if I don't ask you. Tell me, what is it that makes Carlton great? I think uh, it's it's been its history. Most clubs, I mean, although yeah, there are a lot of new establishment clubs around. Um, the history of, um, of established clubs, what they've been through, um, you know, their highs, the lows, their their, their, their premierships or Super Bowl wins and, and then you know, seasons that uh, have been wrecked by whatever, whether it's scandal or anything like that, the ability to endure that and come back and, and be an, a powerhouse. And, and the supporters ride, ride every every minute, every way. And, and that's so emotional. And that's what sport does. And that's what um, Australian, full, uh, Australian rules football does. It's, it's highly combative. Um, it, it's 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 um, you know, it just it's very much a crowd participation sport. Where being there, you, you absorb the atmosphere, and uh, once you've been to a game or two, you, you, you certainly um, you certainly get caught up in it, and and the rivalry and the passion comes out. And their ability to pull money from nowhere, Ed, and pay players. Yes, they used to do that a lot. Yeah, so a lot of brown paper bags down there at Carlton in the old days. But uh, uh, we won't worry about that so much. Uh, you're dead right. You guys played at the highest level. Brian, you kicked 100 goals. Steve used to try and stop you kicking those 100 goals, playing on your fullback. Me, I was in the commentary box or in the stand, living vicariously through you. And Steve's point is right. As soon as you turn up at your ground, an American sports fans are some of the best in the mm. world. You know what it's like when you pull on that uh, that jersey, that jumper, the Guernsey, as we say here, and you've got the colours on, whether it's of uh, New England Patriots or the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Green Bay Packers, that is your identity, and you identify with those superstars who are wearing it, and that has been going on for over 125 years in the AFL. This is one of the oldest competitions in world sport. Steve? And, and it, 
And Ed, and you're probably, in, in terms of where it's all come from, when, when you talk about where the AFL now, but it was the VFL, you know, up to about 30 years ago, and the VFL was a primary competition in Australia where we used to draw on all the other states, all the best players used to come in from right around Australia into this central competition, at the v, which was only held in Victoria. And the Victorian clubs, there are only 12 there, and basically the clubs are made up from, were, were, um, were brought in from suburbs. And we, yeah. we, we basically, those suburbs, those clubs were right next to each other. So Collingwood, Carlton, Fitzroy, Essendon were pretty much North Melbourne. They were all within probably a 10-kilometre radius of each other, so the rivalry was huge, and these clubs have remained, but obviously there's been additions now that have become a, a, a national sport. It's just, urban it's, warfare. Well, just think of it. If you're in New York, mm. the competition would have been Queens versus Manhattan versus Long Island yep. versus Jersey, et cetera, right in. In fact, even tighter, and that's what it was all about mm. in those days. Steve, thanks for giving us an insight into Father Son. Thanks for giving us a bit of a glimpse at Carlton. Next, we'll chat to the star and captain of the Richmond Tigers, Trent Cotchin, one of the best players in the competition, as we build up to this massive clash between Collingwood and Richmond. On Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire on Sirius XM's Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The biggest bumps. Unbelievable hit. The highest marks. Wow! the mark of the year. The most exciting game in the world. Australian Rules Football is on Sirius XM. Now here's your host of Aussie Football Rules America, Eddie Maguire. This is Aussie Football Rules America on Sirius XFM. I'm Eddie Maguire and joining me on the line now is one of the great leaders in Australian football. He is the captain of the current Premiership team, or as the Americans like to say, the Super Bowl champions. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He is the superstar from the Richmond Football Club. His name is Trent Cotchin and he joins us right across America. G'day, Trent. Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me. And you're taking on my boys, the Collingwood Magpies. Now, for our American friends, this is the great battle between two of the great football clubs that are separated by one border. They are right next to each other. And over the journey, back in the old days, Trent, they used to pull the picket fences off off, and belt each other with them on the way to the ground and after the game. It was pretty brutal between Collingwood and Richmond. <laughs> uh, on the ground, it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, good luck for the game. First of all, no injuries, no reports, but it's going to be one hell of a match between Collingwood and Richmond. Yeah, it's going to be a cracker. We're really looking forward to it. Obviously, you know, that rivalry stems back for a long, long time. And um, even more recently, there's been some fantastic matches uh, in previous years. There's a statue at the front of the Richmond Football Club of the great Jack Dyer, known as Captain Blood, named after the film that starred Errol Flynn. And he said he hated Collingwood so much he wouldn't even watch black and white television. That's how far it goes back, mate. Uh, what, does it, what does it mean for you as the captain of the Tigers to run out on the MCG and take on Collingwood? You know, now getting to the latter stages of my career, you realise just how, how much <laughs> these two clubs uh, do have a history. And, um, you know, you talk to our fans and, and they just can't stand the... <laughs> Speak openly, the, uh, mate. Like, I won't take offence. I know, I know, I know. But it's just the reality, isn't it, Ed? It's, yep. um, 
it's just a fierce rivalry and, and both teams have had their successes over the years and they've also had their challenges as well. And, um, you know, we like to think that they're, they're very strong organisations within the AFL. Two teams that play in front of 90,000 people most times, particularly when they play each other. This time you'll be playing in front of uh, probably 50 people in a ground that holds 100,000. How do you how do you prepare for for that? Is it is it something they have to you have to generate your own atmosphere when you're playing because the crowd's not there? Yeah, clearly that's that's you know your crowd is exactly what creates um, a, match, a a really amazing uh, atmosphere out there. So to find that and, and recreate it somehow, clearly we won't be able to replace you know a hundred thousand screaming fans. But um, you know, each time there's a there's a goal or um, something to celebrate, we need to make as much noise as possible because, as you said, 50 people uh, doesn't quite emulate the same sound as 100,000. But um, it was a weird experience in round one and uh, we're really looking forward to mentally preparing and, and making sure we're ready to go um, in round two. Let's see. It's amazing what you've been able to go through, Trent. Uh, the last time last year, the grand final, 100,000, a massive win for Richmond and the icing on the cake of what has been a fantastic period. First game you play... This year, you're the captain of Victoria in a state of origin game to raise money for the bushfires. Second game you play, it's in front of an empty stadium and straight away afterwards, the season is off. Third game you're about to play, MCG v Collingwood, no fans, but into a, a brave new frontier. Uh, this has been an amazing season and we're, we're only one game into it so far for serious points. Yeah, it has. And I mean, that, that's thrown up different challenges for, for people, players, organisations. But um, I think, you know, what we cons- consistently see, uh, even with the bushfire game uh, earlier in the year, is that the AFL community typically try to come together um, and do what they can to, to make a difference, um, you know, in, in sport, but also uh, in the communities around Australia and now hopefully <laughs> in America. What have you been able to do as a leader for your organisation in the lockdown period? Yeah, I think it's just about remaining connected and ensuring, you know, I think the, the greatest challenge, and this is probably pre-ISO, is, uh, you know, the mental well-being of, of everyone and just ensuring that you stay in touch and, and make sure that everyone's coping okay, um, you know, with pay cuts um, and then just being s- stuck at home and not really having the purpose that typically gets you up every day um, has probably been a challenge for, for AFL players. So just making sure that the guys are, are really clear with what they are doing each day. Uh, they feel connected um, and they have different different purposes that are a little bit different to, to their everyday life uh, in, in a typical situation. Final question, Trent, the captain of the Richmond Football Club. When you go to America, where do you go? Where, what is your spot in America? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. I haven't actually, I haven't actually done um, New York, which I have heard very good things Ooh, about. You've got to go to the uh, Apple. So... I reckon I'll lock that in next time. But I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Newport Beach, uh, Laguna Beach, a little bit more quiet and, and restful. But, um, yeah, anywhere along LA is pretty cool. Yeah, that west coast of America is fantastic. And, Trent, remember when you go to New York, you'll be there as a guest of the New York Magpies. They'll be waiting for you there. You can't get away from <laughs> us, mate. <laughs> I look forward to it, Ed. This year, footy started differently. It's time to rock and roll, Baz, to an empty stadium, Richmond Carlton. And even before round one had finished, the postponement had been announced. The AFL has moved to immediately suspend the 2020 Toyota AFL Premiership season, the conclusion of this weekend's matches. And for weeks, we waited. Now, footy.
We're about to get it underway. Back. Smash the Sharon down. Tap is beautiful from Pock. It'll kick along the ground only as far as Bonham Pallet. Huntington will do the crummy. Looks it out in front of Bolter. He's fast. He has a bounce. Walks into all style. Oh, drive in. Unbelievable hit. Dusty comes in. Automatic don't argue. Second don't argue. Yes. Back to the top of the square. No. Oh, no. Taken the mark of the year. He's kicked He's kicked the He's got it. Lightning strikes twice. Tonight from the Triple MCG. This is a big start. It's two of the biggest clubs in the land. Reigning premiers, Richmond. It's the Tigers' 89-point win on Grand Final Day. Up against Collingwood. That is Pendlebury with a little bit of space. He's going, picks it up, screws it around the bottom. Adams has got two. It's one almighty blockbuster to restart season 2020. It's the Tigers and the Pies as Triple M rocks footy. Go Pies! Come on, Magpies! Brian, I can't contain myself any longer, mate. I can't wait. I've been waiting for 10 weeks to get back into it. I'm up against Richmond tonight. They're the flag favourites. They are the champions of the league. And my mighty magpies, wearing the black and white stripes, go into battle. This is good versus evil. Let's be honest about it, Brian. We're going to get stuck into them tonight. And from that opening bounce, when Brody Grunty runs in and goes... Bang at the start. It's on. That and then Jordy was... <laughs> Degoe will pick it up and run into the open goal. And the Magpies hit the front. Now, Ed, there's one thing, though. That's Eddie Maguire. He is the president I'm of the Collingwood president. Football Club who was playing tonight, by the way, and he's slightly uh, worked up about the game. But what he hasn't told you is they are playing the best team in the competition yes. who have an equivalent amount of really good players. In fact, I think the two number one players in the competition are playing in this game tonight. For, for Collingwood, Jordan Dugowie, who's explosive, he's, um, he can win or lose you a game off his own boot. And Dustin Martin, who plays for Richmond on the opposing side. Who's out now? The best player in the league. Yeah, full tattoos. Both of these guys heavily tattooed, but both of them like absolute raging bulls and both of them capable of winning or losing their game. They're basically the quarterbacks of each side. And both of them equally adept at a nightclub. Yes, both of them have got a little bit of naughtiness about them, uh, the <laughs> they way they play. They are skillywags, aren't they, those hey, two? Watch out for Collingwood. Brody, Brody Grundy is a big guy. How tall? Six foot six, Ed? Six oh, foot eight? Probably six eight. Six, yeah. six foot eight tonight, over 100 kilos. He will cover 15 to 16 kilometres in this game tonight. Incredible athlete. He's one to watch if you're watching Collingwood, the black and white team. On the other hand, you've got Jack Rewalt, who's one of the best goal kickers in the whole national competition as number well eight for the for Tigers. Richmond, so yep. the Black and yellow number eight, that's Jack Revolt. Uh, and playing full forward, which was the position Brian Taylor, my co-host yep. here, played as a superstar So he's in the, the game goal himself. kicker. He yep. should kick a few goals. And the other one for Collingwood in the black and white tonight is Scott Pendlebury. Now, he is their captain. He is a five-time best and fairest dad. Yep. Uh, five times he has been the best player at that club. He's the captain, as I mentioned. Watch the time and grace in which he makes an aggressive, ugly-looking game seem easy. And interesting, and, uh, when you look at number 10, the Collingwood captain, he's playing his 303rd game, I think it is, so he's going to break all the records for longevity. He has been brilliant, and he actually passed up a basketball scholarship yes. that was taken over by Paddy Mills, of course, who's playing in the NBA, uh, to come and stay and play football and come to Collingwood. So there's a couple of little subtexts yep. in amongst all that sort of stuff. You're listening to Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor, Aussie Footy Rules America. Now, on Sirius XM's Dan Patrick Radio, that's Channel 211, 
Brian, tonight's game, who wins? Who wins? Tight game. Both of these sides. Remember, Richmond have won two out of the last pre, uh, three premierships. Collingwood have been thereabouts in competing for and those let's premierships. let's not forget, it was Collingwood who put them out of the one that they didn't win. Yep, it was indeed. So this is a very tight game against two of the top teams in the competition to relaunch our season into round two. Now, if I were to pick a side tonight, I, I would say the better side on paper is the Tigers. But I've just got this thing about Ooh. my old team... Collingwood at the moment. I've just, just got a feeling. My wife said to me the, uh, yesterday when I was uh, talking about the game, she said, oh, no, I think Collingwood will win the Premiership this year. And I, and I thought, well, geez, a lot of people have been saying that to me. Well, so Tanya maybe, likes it. Tanya's a very yeah. good judge. Well, maybe go and have a look things. at them. And I think they are capable of, of getting to where it matters at the end of the season. It's a 17-round season, Ed. Yeah, and Brian, I think when the whips are cracking, when we get to the playoffs, both of these teams will be having a, a big say in yep. who lifts the Premiership Cup in 2020. Well, I'm so excited. We're ready to go. Finally, it's been a long period of time for everybody in the world, how the world has changed, Mm. uh, getting into the COVID-19 situation. And of course, our thoughts with all our colleagues in the United States who have suffered terribly with the COVID-19. And then, of course, in recent times with the Black Lives Matter uh, whole situation in America, if I can just say, we've been watching it closely here in Australia. The protests have been in the streets of Australia as well in support. So uh, our thoughts are with all our friends in the United States of America. But if we can bring a little bit of normality tonight, when we bring football back to you, we hope that you enjoy it as well. The call team on Triple M Australia, who will be broadcasting on Channel 211 tonight, are Barry Denner, Nathan Brown, Lee Montagna, Dale Thomas, Sarah Ollie, and Ash Chua bring you all the stats on Triple M Football America. Get ready for this. Aussie Football Rules America. Brian Taylor, thanks for you being thanks, my Ed. co-host tonight. Rosemary, thank you for everything you bring to the uh, no to the occasion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, step back as the Sharon gets bounced into the MCG and the footy season is back. It's Collingwood and Richmond at the mighty MCG. This is Dan Patrick Radio, Sirius XM, Aussie Football Ruling America with Eddie Maguire.